0: right after undergrad in 2014 i had just graduated and i took a semester actually a year off before i went to harvard and i was like you know what i don't want to forget about this story just because i'm confident now i just couldn't stop thinking about that moment of going back to like what they used to say about me how powerless i would feel i would think about the people in my hometown i was like i can't let these people just get away with this so i started rising i was like okay i'll be like a date thing I never thought it'd be this. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose
1: something that even if it fails, if it fails you are going to be proud
0: of. It doesn't matter
1: how badly you got beat. in that. Be
0: kind, be kind, be kind.
1: Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders.
0: My name is Christina Catalano. I am a civil rights activist and I am in human rights law. I'm also the founder and chairman of the Rise Anti-Bullying Initiative, where we help people rise over anti-bullying situations.
1: I'd like to start with your experience with bullying, because it seems like it was a very personal mission.
0: Sure. So I really could take it back to basically primary school, Sam. I mean, I grew up in the Jersey Shore area and everyone was just absolutely horrible. I just remember people being grouped together and then just kind of singling people out, which is, you know, if they want to single people out, that's fine. But then they kind of start harassing people and I was one of them. I think looking back, I was a target just because I was shy and Didn't say anything, didn't stand up for myself. So it's like, obviously, easy target. So it's basically going to school with them for 10 years. It was kind of isolating. You know, I used to run in the bathroom and just, you know, hope like everything would stop in terms of the bullying. I just wanted to go to school and not be harassed.
1: Do you remember a, a specific story that stands out to you as like symbolic? Or, or memorable of, of that of that time?
0: There was something that happened basically every day. I mean, I could tell you that people would, like, you know, talk about my skin tone because I'm Italian, but Sicilian. So I have a darker skin tone than, um, you know, Italian-Americans usually. And so, you know, they would say, like, oh, you know, her skin is, like, so dark. Why does she look so, like, ethnic-looking and so weird-looking? Those were among the more
1: memorable ones. It feels like that phrase where the the tallest poppy gets cut first, like anything that makes you different in middle school and high school makes you a target. And like the only way it seems like you can avoid that is to like stick with the homogenization and not let anything about yourself be different. So many people get caught into that and then lose what, makes them unique and powerful. And by the time they get to college, you kind of lose a bit of that identity. But some people stick with it. So as you moved past high school into college, did you feel like you could embrace more of your identity and who you are?
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that because I was looking back at the high school at graduation. I'm driving away. Well, my family was driving away. I was turning back and looking. I said, I will never come back to this school to even pass by it until I feel that I'm the person that I've become through the experience that I had for basically 13 years of my life. So I made that promise myself and I knew that going to a really small college where I didn't know anybody was basically my new beginning. I was able to, you know, be more outgoing, actually get good grades for once in my life. (laughs) I went from having like a 2.7 GPA unweighted in high school to like graduating with almost a 4.0 and getting into Harvard. Wow. So, you know, I was told I was stupid my whole life, this and that, but then when I just changed schools by going to college, I was able to just be me.
1: So how did you begin Rise? And why did you want to start that?
0: Right after undergrad in 2014, I had just graduated, and I took a semester, actually a year off, before I went to Harvard. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to forget about this story just because I'm confident now. I just couldn't stop thinking about that moment of going back to like what they used to say about me, how powerless I would feel. I would think about the people in my hometown. I was like, I can't let these people just get away with this. Yeah, I have this great life now, I did well, right? you know, like the American dreams, if you will. But like, there's just something that was missing. So I started rising, I was like, okay, it'll be like a date thing. I never thought it'd be this.
1: With those humble beginnings, like where did you put your focus?
0: I had to raise money, Sam. I never even did, like, those drives when you were a kid, like, you raised money because I was so bad at it, and, like, you know, I was so shy. So, like, I had no fundraising experience. It took about a good year before I even raised a first round of funds. It was really just getting the door literally set in my face, getting, you know, politicians ignoring my calls. This is back in 2014 into 2015, but then when, like, they realized that I was going to Harvard, which is so silly to me, they started taking me more seriously, which I think is ridiculous because I'm the same Christina before and after. I didn't get smarter or better.
1: So people started taking you seriously. I'd love to hear the story of like, maybe one of, that, one of those first big checks that you, you secured that was symbolic of people actually believing in this mission that you had.
0: Well, the first one actually was an offer for 400K. Woo. But, Sam, I turned it down because at the time I didn't believe that they believed in the mission. They saw it as more of like something to show off, but it wasn't to the point where I was like, well, you know, I don't have other donors I can go to. So I turned it down and other people heard I turned this person's donation down. They loved it. They're like, oh, because I guess they don't like him or (laughs) something. So I got more calls, more offers, and it wasn't overnight. I'm talking about a two year period. This was not overnight. I'm I'm really like synthesizing it for you. And it just went from there.
1: Was it scary to just deny that much money up front? Because, like, how how much money had you raised at that point?
0: I had basically none.
1: So, you turned down this $400,000 and then people hear that you turned that money down and are like, all right, we need to give her more money. <laughs> I imagine that started to bring more attention to your organization beyond just donors. Mm-hmm. How did you feel the acceleration of your organization, um, start? There and also, did you start to think maybe this could be something that was beyond my state? Maybe it could be national or worldwide.
0: You got it exactly right. Getting people who were coming up to me now in in formal calls, emails, it was not in the news per se. It was just word of mouth. It's actually in donor circles. Anyone would know that's actually even more powerful. Those people believed in the mission. And they wanted to, you know, be involved. And then I was like, wait, you know, why don't we now create a curriculum to give to schools in the country, internationally?
1: Could you tell me maybe some of the stories that showed that the money that you were raising, the mission that you were cultivating was actually making a difference for the kids that maybe felt like you when you were growing up?
0: You know what, I'll go back to my roots in Jersey, where it was uh, someone from my hometown. A kid went up to us and, you know, she's a little girl. She was about to turn 10. And she actually was at the um, same school that I was at when I was in primary school, which I thought was very interesting. She was looking at my stories and like listening to what people were saying about anti-bullying and hearing the messages from the counselors and the methods that we consulted for. And she said that she felt that she had hope for the first time, which was just a lot, you know, to take in. Because especially coming from my hometown, Sam, it was just like a lot for me. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I did cry over it. Everyone's like, oh, CEOs don't cry. You know, I did cry over that moment because it was just, it just felt like it was full circle, even though yeah. we were just beginning. And we have so many stories of people calling in. I see myself in every single one of them. That powerless feeling. I can't explain the powerless feeling because it's just something that's not I'm um, not able to put into words, to be honest. And yeah. I'm usually pretty talkative, <laughs> so um, I can't put that into words. But that was really meaningful.
1: Yeah, and 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 you're you're making all this difference. It is coming full circle. Why do you start turning your sights on Africa?
0: You know. We were getting noticed internationally, which I did not think we were. I mean, I thought at this point we're just getting noticed in a few places nationally. We were starting to get emails from people and organizations I forgot. I started getting emails from Kenya and I just started getting emails from Uganda. And they were like detailed emails with like what they saw on us, not just random, oh, you know, here's an email, look at it. And, you know, people were listening to the story. and. We were just like, hey, you know, why don't we do something here about Africa? People ignore it. And it's like, why not? Um, if they have an issue with, you know, being bullied in schools and in the villages, someone no has got to do it because if it's not me, maybe someone else will come along. How long would that be? I don't know. We were just like, let's give this a little attention see what happens.
1: So what was it like working in Africa versus the U.S.? Like, how how different was that for you?
0: You know what? It wasn't that different. Obviously, different continents, different cultures, but similar souls. They had similar problems in the workplace, of getting harassed, of not being able to go to school. Yeah, a lot different um, in terms of circumstances, of course. But I saw so many similarities, and it inspired me to think about What about other continents and countries? Um, The first time that I uh, met a Ugandan organization, they were absolutely amazing, Um, they were an orphanage. And, you know, one of the kids told me, um, you know, hey, I'm afraid to go to school sometimes, have you ever experienced that? And it was a little girl. And I said, yes, um, I've been afraid too. And she's like, wow, you or me are sisters. And it was just like, you know, such a wise thing for such a young person to say, I mean, I cannot compare my situation to hers by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact that even she was finding commonalities, shows that we're really not that much different when it comes to being bullied. And yeah, people give me weird looks when I say Africa and anti-bullying. I, get, I still get looked about it, but we were the first ones there. And it's, i am I'm, I'm proud of that, Sam. I wish it was somebody else because I I think it's kind of sad that it had to be me. I'm happy that I was able to do it, but it should have happened a long time ago.
1: Why do you think you're, you're so driven to, to help these people? Like, I mean, why why do you think you are, you have been the first one?
0: You know, seeing something come out of it, you know, I've had people come up to me and people who are celebrities and people who are world leaders tell me their stories and I can't really repeat them because they're private. But the fact is is that I feel like I'm not only doing it for myself, but for so many people who even if they saw success or they're really big, you know, cameras in front of them every day are afraid to tell people that they were bullied and that something happened to them when they were kids in terms of harassment. It doesn't mean that people can't have discourse in their lives because people tell me that, oh, does that mean that like, you know, someone can't, you know, have a conversation with someone without considering bullying. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really a situation where someone feels uncomfortable just to walk into a room because they know they'll be harassed.
1: What was it like being at the UN? How did you realize that you were um, invited to speak there?
0: I got contacted because of rise and you know Rise just keeps giving us blessings and i was one of them and um i was first speaking to un aids and i was talking to them saying about the proportion of people who are bullied versus not how to measure which called a global indicator a thematic indicator on the un agenda so this is for agenda 2030 and there is no mention of bullying i told them i said what what is like the holdback? I'm putting the word bullying, you know, it's like, what's like the gap yeah. up here?
1: What do you think was the whole back?
0: I think that just maybe it's like a people think it's kind of like an airy word to say, if you will. That's kind of like, oh, like there's bigger problems like starvation, which of course there are problems all around. But you can have food in your belly, but not feel safe to go to school. They're both pretty bad but I think people just don't take it as seriously. They're like, oh, bullying, it's like a rite of passage. Even some of the higher-ups at the UN still think that, in my opinion. And when I saw SDG 4 include 4-2-A and four two three, um, so two and three for the thematic indicators, I say the word, Sam, bullying. It just was a moment of feeling like I was heard as a little kid. Yeah. I'm thirty. <laughs> <When> it <laughs> just feels like okay. Someone hears us doesn't mean everybody. By the way, doesn't mean that that the situation solved. I always tell people that it's not solved. But in order to stop something, you have to start something, right?
1: So I want to go to to just like finish off um, on where you are today. Maybe talk a little bit about the nomination you received not too long ago and <laughs> what uh, are the the plans for the future?
0: Well, um, RISE is now considered a global anti-bullying organization. A lot of people have put us on the same scale of Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation. And, you know, we always feel like at RISE that we're still small, even though we're not. And I think that's the position I'll always take, Sam, as being an underdog. Um, And, you know, we have the positive curriculum, which is a framework, and adapting it to schools in over five continents. And we're not done. We're going to keep adapting this curriculum. We're going to keep fighting for um, anti-bullying. And, you know, with the global indicator now, as of 2021, It's being monitored now at the UN, which means that all 193 states are monitoring it and not just looking at it and saying, yeah, yeah, we'll do that maybe. So that's a big deal for really any type of issue or advocating out there. And in terms of the nomination, I was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize (laughs) by a few um, figures I'm definitely um, honored to just have been nominated by. And uh, one of them is the Minister of Liberia. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm not going to lie to you when I first heard because you told me. And the first thing I said, Sam, is just like, when you're bullied, this is how you think. I was like, why? (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds so bad that I should be teaching everyone about confidence. But, you know, I'm not going to lie to you and say, yeah, I'm always confident 100% of the time because that's not real. I feel like it's more inspiring to say, hey, I have moments where I'm like, Why would
1: someone see me that way? I mean, but people do, and it's because you're doing incredible things. Uh, And and I think that's just becoming more and more obvious. Uh, So with uh, anyone who's listening, how can they support you and your organization and where can they find out more?
0: amazing question www.riseentitbullying.org or on Facebook Rise Anti Bullying Initiative and we have materials for people to pass out for the positive curriculum in their school or if they would like their school to receive a grant and us to walk their school through the positive curriculum you can contact us there and yeah I'm willing to really speak to any kids who want to reach out to me and my staff or my amazing board members like Dan Dan we are always a listening ear and we're always a friend to anyone who needs help
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner.
0: Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn.
1: Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from
0: Irene Van Burkle,
1: Matt Fernandez,
0: May Cannon, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox. Ashley Jimenez.
1: Michael Chung. Nicholas Guzman. Aaron Devereaux.
0: Sanessa Gisley.
1: And Lois Choi. Our Outreach and Research Lead is Kenny Ong, with support from...
0: Sarah Hobson. Melody Sopani. Cherise Tan. Jake Wiley. Ibada Rai. And Mecca Shelton. Our Writing Team Lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from... Abigail Agerdia. Elise Caldwell. Jake Wiley. Jordan Ortiz and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from
1: Sohail Amatya Tiffany Dane Jonathan Wass,
0: and Diana Marie Kandazer.
1: To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.